Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will have a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blog, talkradio.com, slash peak, and send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Or you can hit us up in the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Sam Ocho of the 3-0 and Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals off to a 3-0 and start. Surprising on some level, and especially how they've done it, but Arizona off to a 3-0 and start. The Arizona Cardinals beat up. Well, not beat up, but beat the 49ers to go 3-0. and and, and now they're on top of the NFC West. I mean, everybody came into this year talking Seattle. Everybody came into this year talking the Niners. Now, we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals, them, the Bengals, and the Philadelphia Eagles, only three teams who are 3-0. and And I'll break down later in the show what 3-0 and team is actually legit 3-0. and But we're going to talk... Uh, about the Arizona Cardinals, of course, with Sam Macho. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us. We're going to get Willie's take on these 3-0 ball clubs. Also going to get his take on Kirk Cousins and his performance last night. We'll get to that. Not very good. Talk about Seattle and their win over the Broncos. Seattle seems to own Peyton Manning. I know Peyton Manning got his at the end there. But Seattle seems to own Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning played well down the stretch in that football game, made some plays down the stretch in that football game, and you know ultimately gave the Broncos an opportunity, a chance to win if they uh, lost in overtime to Russell Wilson, who was, you know, this guy, big time against the elite quarterbacks. Big time against the elite quarterbacks. He gets it done against those elite guys, the Aaron Rodgers, the Tom Brady's, or the uh, Peyton Manning's of the world. He gets it done against those guys. But we're going to definitely talk to Willie about that, get his thoughts on that. Willie, uh, I guess he was good luck for the New Orleans Saints last week because New Orleans Saints uh, got a victory last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Willie was at the game, so maybe it was the Willie Rofe effect that propelled the New Orleans Saints over the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe it was the Rofe effect. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? But we're going to talk to Willie about all those things. Last night. Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, if you have New Yorkers tell it, it was like a game seven last night at Yankee Stadium. But let me remind you. Oh, by the way, and, and don't get me wrong, great ending, great storybook ending. Derek Jeter's last game at the stadium, the new Yankee Stadium, and Derek Jeter with a walk-off 
victory, walk-off single for the Yankees, uh, victory over the Baltimore Orioles. But let me remind you of something. Did that game mean anything to the Baltimore Orioles? Did that game mean anything to anybody, really? I mean, other, they, I mean, let, 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 don't, let me not discount the greatness of Derek Jeter and the influence that he's had on the sport of baseball and the influence that he's had on uh, uh, New York. But here's how it is sometimes when it comes to New York, New Yorkers and New York City. Um, New Yorkers, when it comes to, to talking about New York and everything that goes on in New York, They'll make you believe that New York is the best thing ever. Everything in New York is great. The food, the best. The pizza, the best. Nightlife, the best. Nightlife is the best in New York City. Um, <laughs> but everything. Everything is better. The fashion. Everything is better in New York City. Everything. And don't get me wrong. Derek Jeter is great, and that was a great moment that we saw last night at Yankee Stadium. But let's not go too far. It was the final game with Derek Jeter at Yankee Stadium, but again, it was a game that meant absolutely positively nothing. I could see if it was a walk-off single that won the game for the Yankees and put the Yankees in the playoffs or kept the Yankees alive in the playoffs. Then it would have meant something. Then we could talk about it. Then we can, you know, put it down as the all-time great moments. I mean, you talk about this moment. Yes, a great moment, but was it better than Michael Jordan? Was it better when Michael Jordan hit that shot over Brian Russell to win his sixth ring? And he walked away, ultimately came back. But at the time, that was going to be our last view of Michael Jordan. Judging by what happened in Washington, maybe it should have been. But it wasn't. But at the time, that was our last view of the great Michael Jordan. That was it. That was supposed to be the last time we saw him. But he came back. That's an ending. John Elway winning the Super Bowl was last year. That's an ending. Derek Jeter. Walk-off, single, In a game that meant absolutely nothing, albeit a great moment, albeit a very great moment, but it was a meaningless regular season game. The Yankees have already been eliminated. Baltimore is pretty much playing out the string at this point. So this game meant nothing. Baltimore, I know, was battling for that final spot, that number one spot in the American League, having a bad record. But again, at the end of the day, the chances of them getting that were pretty remote. It was pretty remote to begin with. So the game meant nothing. But the moment was great. The moment was truly, truly great. Great career by Derek Cheater. I don't think Derek Jeter's overrated. He's good. He's great. But I will say this. During that run, you look at Jeter's numbers in comparison to others on that roster, you can make an argument 
that Derek Jeter was not the best position player on any of those Yankee teams, any of those Yankee championship teams. Those five rings, you could argue he wasn't the best position player on that team. You can make a legitimate argument. A legitimate argument. I mean, out of the five, MVP, out of the five uh, World Series wins, Jared Jeter won MVP and only one of them. I mean, that's that's saying something. It's 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 the big, it's important. He's making he made plays. He's great. Three thousand hits. That's great. The longevity, 20 years, that's great. The five rings, that's great. Greatest Yankee of all time? No, never. And, and Yankees have such a storied franchise. Could Can there ever be, moving forward, can there ever be a greatest Yankee of all time when you got Babe Ruth and DiMaggio and Garrick? Can you ever have an all-time Yankee Moving forward, when you have Mickey Mantle, when you have all those guys, you, you can't. The Yankees are one of those friends. It's just like, to me, will there ever be, will anybody in Chicago Bulls history surpass Michael Jordan? No. Won't happen. Will never happen. It can't happen. And I think it's almost the same with Babe Ruth and Yankees history. Well, anybody moving forward, would anybody ever be able, will anybody be ever, will ever, ever be able in Yankees history to surpass a Babe Ruth? I mean, the, the, the Mount Rushmore in Yankees history is difficult to, 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 to get in, get into, very difficult. You're talking about a lot of greats of all time. Derek Cheater was great, but he's not even the greatest Yankee of all time. He was great. He had a great career, but let's 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 pump the brakes on that moment last night. I mean, I'm, I'm you know it, it was a great moment. It's probably a greater moment if you were a New York Yankees fan. Don't get me wrong; it's not a bad moment. Don't get me wrong; it's a good moment. But are we putting that down? in terms of Mount Rushmore moments, of, of, of big sports moments. I don't think so. Because the game meant nothing. It was a regular season game that meant absolutely, positively nothing. The only thing we, it meant, the only important thing about the game was that it was Derek Jeter's last game. That was the only important thing about that game. The game meant nothing. Meant nothing. The moment meant a lot, but the game meant nothing. And I think the game meaning nothing takes away from the moment. Good mo, good, good moment. Can you say great moment? I don't know. Can you say great moment in, in, a, in a regular season game that meant nothing? It's it's uh, it's Hollywood. It's it's pretty much a Hollywood end. And I guess you, you can be a little cynical of it. You can, I, I think you most definitely can be a little cynical of it, but it's a Hollywood moment. It, 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 it was, it was uh, the perfect script. I think the better script, obviously, if Jeter and the Yankees were in the playoffs, then 
maybe this that walk-off run would have been a run that put the Yankees in the playoffs, or or maybe that walk-off run would have put the Yankees in the ALCS, or maybe that walk-off run would have put the Yankees in the World Series, or maybe that walk-off run would actually won a World Series. Then you're talking. We're talking at that point. But it was the final moment that Yankees did it from Jared Jeter. It was great. Oh, excuse me, good. Not great, because the game meant nothing. The game was a nothing game, and it meant nothing. But Derek Jeter, and we're going to look at this, we're going to delve into this later in the show, but I'm going to look through each and every time that Derek Jeter and the Yankees won World Series rings. 96, 98, 99, 2000, 2009. That 2009 against my Phillies hurt because if Cole Hamels was right and Brad Lidge was right, we win that series, no doubt in my mind. If Hamels was right, we win that series. Hamels was not right. He was a horse for us back in 2008. I said, us, I mean the Philadelphia Phillies. He was a horse back in 2008. An absolute beast. And Brad Lidge was perfect. In 2008. But in 2009, and I got to give the, and I say this story all the time, but that was the first time I really, really watched Derek Jeter a lot. And and I came and walked away from that saying, you know what? He's the truth. This guy's the truth. He's just, he's good. He's just that good. And I don't think anybody's ever denied I know Keith Oberman said he was a little overrated. He's from he played in New York, of course. I mean, it's New Yorkers. New Yorkers overrate everything. Everything that comes out of New York is, is you know, they overrate a lot of stuff. I'm not saying everything in New York is overrated. Like I said, the nightlife is is, is the truth, the best, the creme de la creme. But it's expensive in New York. I lived there for two years. Hated it. Hated it. Those two years, I would love to get back. I would love to get those two years back. Was not a big fan of New York City. Not at all. But, I mean, my wife's a New Yorker. And and she talks about all the time, all the great things in New York. New York, New York, New York, New York, New York. New York is this. New York is that. New York, New York, New York, New York. Amazing. But anyway, kudos to Derek Jeter. He's out of the lineup tonight. Maybe maybe he'll pinch it, maybe he won't, but he's out of the lineup tonight against the Boston Red Sox. Joe Girardi does it. Cannot. Well, let me make sure I get this right. He's not in the lineup tonight. Joe Girardi says a day off. But Joe Girardi does expect Jeter to play during the weekend at some point. Should that have been the last moment of Derek Jeter last night? Or should it continue? Should he play his final game in Fenway? Or should he just stay, leave it the way many want him to leave it, and and just leave it with him with that walk-off single? 
question he has to answer. The question the Yankees have to answer. I don't know. Great moment. Good moment. But not great moment. Circumstances meant nothing to absolutely nobody except everybody there at the game. And a lot of other people meant something too. But at the end of the day, it was a meaningless regular season game. It, it just was that. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's go to the NFL now. Last night, Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins. I mean, I, I watched the Redskins against my Eagles last week, and Kirk Cousins was big time. Kirk Cousins was spreading that ball around the field. Kirk Cousins was getting it out to his wide receivers, moving the ball, putting up points for the uh, Washington Redskins. He was throwing, throwing great, uh, a beautiful deep ball to Deshaun Jackson on that 81-yard pitch and catch. I mean that was that was a great ball he threw in that uh, in that game, but last night I mean the New York Giants I mean we look at the New York Giants at one point in this season and we were like after the first two games, well Eli's not getting this offense, the offense is struggling, this is going to be a long year for the New York Football Giants, but you look up now, they're now two and two. I mean they were zero and two. And, you know, Larry Donnell last night, uh, uh, you know, undrafted free agent. And he came out last night, three touchdowns. And, and speaking of that game, we were expected today to be joined by Redskins tight end Niles Paul, but we saw what happened to him last night. I mean, took a vicious hit. A vicious hit. He was concussed. And, you know what, Niles Paul... And I'm going to get back to the game. And now Paul's having a fairly good season. I mean, you look at what he's doing for the Washington Redskins this year, and you look at his career numbers, and you're like, wow, this dude is really stepping up his play. I mean, career-wise, this guy coming into this season, coming into his season, and right now Niles Paul has 21 catches, 313 yards, and one touchdown. But coming into this season – his highest reception total was eight. And that was a season he played 16 games. So Niles Paul, at this point in the year, four games into the season, 21 catches, 313 yards, having a breakout year for him. And we were, like I said, we were, we were going to be joined by him today. And, you know, obviously, I, after I saw that hit, I figured there was no way he was coming on today. You know, I, I'd be lucky if he came on today, really, because there was no way he was coming on after that hit. I mean, that was vicious. So at that point, you knew that there was no way that uh, he was coming. No way. And so, I mean, he still caught the ball. He still found a way to catch the ball. Still found a way to catch the ball, which is impressive in itself. But you look at Niles Paul and, you know, the year that he's had, he's had a great year for the Washington Redskins to this point. And as I said, we were going to be joined by him today, but, again, based off of that injury and that, that big hit that he took, obviously he's not playing. But I look at the Washington Redskins and, you know, I look at Kirk Cousins and, and you know, a lot of people – we're talking Kirk Cousins this, Kirk Cousins that. 
And, you know, and here's the thing. We all love the backup quarterback. We all have the belief that the grass is always greener on the other side. That's why people cheat. Because they there's the belief that the grass is always greener on the other side. And right now, and especially after what we saw the other day, especially after what we saw on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, you, you saw Kirk Cousins put up 427 yards against the Philadelphia Eagles and three touchdowns. Especially after what he did a couple weeks against Jack, a couple weeks ago against Jacksonville, when he came off the bench, 250 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and led the Redskins to victory. So a lot of people were saying Cousins, Cousins, Joe Theismann during the preseason, Cousins. Oh, this guy needs to be the starter of the Washington Redskins. He is better or playing better than RG3. You know, we're talking Cousins. A lot of people were talking Cousins. And I just, I mean, just look at his numbers, you know, throughout the course of his career. You know, he's, when he's come, off, he's come off the bench a couple times and, and rescued the Redskins. You know, he's come off the bench and rescued the Redskins. I mean, against the Baltimore Ravens last year as a, as a rookie, excuse me, came off the bench and got it done for the Redskins in overtime. And then he started the game for the Redskins, went into Cleveland, beat on the Browns, but threw for over 300 yards and had two touchdowns, only one interception. You know, every time we think in Cousins, Cousins, oh, wow, this guy, he can play, he can get it done. And then we look at last season. He started three games, the last three games of the season, for the Washington Redskins, a loss against the Atlanta Falcons, had a decent game, 381 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. Final two games, not that great against the Cowboys, only 197 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And then a final game against the New York Giants, 169 yards, 19 for 49. So he missed a lot of people on that day and intercepted two times. I think at this point we might need to pump the brakes when we talk about Kirk Cousins and him being better than RG3. I mean, RG3 is rookie season – was a great rookie season for RG3. And he got the Redskins to the playoffs that particular season. And if he wasn't hurt in that game against the Seattle Seahawks, he might have took the Redskins at least to the divisional round. Remember that game? Redskins jumped out early. But RG3, you know, after that second touchdown, wasn't right. Wasn't right at all. After that second touchdown. Was not right at all. After that second touchdown. Wasn't right. So, and I look at RG3 last season. That wasn't RG3. He, he, he was hurt. Coming off the injury. Trying to work his way back. That wasn't RG3. And I'm not one of these guys who's ready to put, you know, say RG3 can't be what he was his rookie season. But RG3 obviously has to become a better pocket passer. That's a definite. He definitely has to become a better pocket passer. And Kirk Cousins, I mean, what I saw last week against the Eagles, impressive. Eagles not a very good defense, but still impressive nonetheless. But last night, wow, he was an interception machine. He was an interception machine. Four picks. They moved the ball decently, but he made some mistakes. 
some big-time mistakes. And you can't win in the National Football League when you turn the football over four times. Your quarterback turns it over four times, you're going to have a hard time in this league. But how about the New York Giants? I mean, uh, left for dead. I was, I mean, after what I watched the Giants in the preseason, I, I mean, I was watching, what was it, the fourth game against the, I believe, the Patriots. And, you know, they had their number one offense out there. And that number one offense was having a hard time uh, moving the football. And, I, you know, I don't like to make too much of a preseason. But, I mean, couple that with, you know, the, awful, the, the, the offense being dreadful throughout the whole preseason. And then the first couple games where Eli Manning was turning the football over. The offense was having a hard time moving the football. And you thought for the New York Giants, they were done. I mean, I, I, they were done. That was my mindset. Then you come back against Houston. The impressive part about that against Houston, they were able to run the football. And Houston's a very good defense, very good defense in, in Houston with the Texans. But they were able to run the football against the Texans. And then they come back, short rest. Travel, obviously travel's not too bad from New York to D.C., but, I mean, they come out against a Redskins team that lost on Sunday against the Eagles. So, you know, the Redskins wanted to get back on the good foot. And then you look at the Redskins, I think what makes this game even more impressive is what's next for the Redskins because, for me, that was a big game for the Redskins because now your next two opponents, Seattle, that's a home game for the Redskins. And then at Arizona. And Arizona's an undefeated football team. Very good football team at this point. So you could be looking at one in five after week six if you're the Washington Redskins. One in five. So last night's game was big. And to me, that makes the Giants' victory even more impressive. But the Giants are back to two and two, back to five hundred, two and two. Two and two. And you wonder what the Giants could be. I mean, they were very opportunistic in terms of, you know, forcing turnovers last night. I mean, you look at the Giants, the defense hasn't been awful. It's been that that offense that you had a lot of questions about. Had a lot of questions about that offense. And Ben McAdoo's new system. and, And could Eli Manning get the system down? and be effective in this system. And, you know, last night, four touchdowns. Play well. Play well. Giants are back at 2-2. Redskins, got some more questions now. Because you looked at that Redskins defense, and, you know, first two weeks of the season, they were upper echelon defense in terms of the numbers and everything. But now, the last two weeks, 37 and 45. Granted, against the Giants, their offense put them in some bad positions, but again, 37 points and 45 points in, in back-to-back week, you know, in, in two weeks span. You look at the first two weeks of the season, they only gave up 27 points. The next two, now you're talking 82 points, an average of 41 points over the next two. So maybe the Redskins defense is not as good as we may have thought, especially after what we saw the first two weeks of the season. Philadelphia, it seems like they're going to score on everybody. It seems like they're going to put up numbers against anybody. 
that's going to be a tough offense to stop. But the Giants' offense, I know they put up 30 against the Texans, but, I mean, this was an offense that you wouldn't expect to drop 45. You wouldn't expect that Giant offense to drop 45, especially the way Eli Manning and that offense had been struggling. You wouldn't expect it. It does help. It did help last week that you're running back Jennings, Rashad Jennings, 176 yards. When you're getting that kind of production on the ground, you're going to be effective, no doubt about it. You get that kind of production on your ground with your ground game, you're going to win some things. You're going to be tough to beat with that kind of production. But we'll see what happens with these two teams moving forward. But the Redskins, they got two tough games coming up. And, you know, they could be one and five before we know it. And we could be talking about next year with the Washington Redskins. A lot of people were talking Redskins in, that pre- in the preseason and the offseason, saying, maybe, you know, maybe this team is ready and poised to take that next step. But we'll see. If I'm a Redskins fan, judging by what's in front of me over the next two weeks, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about my quarterback because he took a step back yesterday. And, and that's a part of being a young quarterback, and, and that's the growing pains of being a young quarterback. That's a part of it. And we had Kirk Cousins on the show what two, last season. Very confident guy. Very confident guy. Very confident in his abilities. Very confident that he can be a starter in this league. I know he said over and over and over that this is RG3's team. This is Robert Griffin III's team. This is his team, and, he's, and he continues to say that. But do you almost have to say that? He can't just say, well, I'm, I'm looking to get the job. This is my opportunity to get the job. He can't say that. He can't say that at all. So he said what he needed to say. He said what he had to say. But that was a step back yesterday for Kirk Cousins. And you look at Kirk Cousins against the New York football Giants. He has not had much success against the New York football Giants in his young career. Giants do something to this guy. Last night, four interceptions. Awful. Last night. Last time he played the Giants, near the end of last season, he was awful against the New York Giants. Awful the last time these two teams played, and that was near the end of the regular season. And granted, the Redskins were going home at that point. So were the Giants, really. But he was awful the last time. I mean, four interceptions this time around, which obviously is not good at all. And then the last time, last season, two interceptions. So only one touchdown and six picks against the New York Giants the two times that he's faced them. Don't play the Giants no more, Kirk. They have your number, maybe. But let's go to the NBA now. Breaking news out of the NBA. Rajon Rondo apparently breaks his hand. Breaks his hand, expected to miss six to eight weeks. That's a blow for the Boston Celtics. That's a blow in terms of if you're looking to move him. And that's a blow in terms of just your team if you're looking to keep him. According to reports, they're saying that he, he slipped in the shower, told the team, 
according to reports, that he slept in the shower. Who does that? I mean, it, was, I mean, it happens, but you would expect a world-class athlete, if he were to slip in the shower, you would expect him to be able to do something to, to, to not be able to break his hand. I mean, you would think he would find some way not to break. I mean, he's a world-class athlete, slipping in the shower. At least that's what he tells us. At least that's what he tells us. I mean, he slips in the shower, breaks his hand. Now, out six to eight weeks, slipped in the shower. <laughs> he slipped in the shower, broke his hand. You know, thirty-eight years on this earth, I don't think I've had, I don't think I ever slipped in the shower. I don't think I ever slipped and fell slipped and fell in the shower. I really don't. I don't think I had a slip in the shower at all in my life. Thirty-eight years on this earth, I'm no Rajon uh, Rondo. I'm no athlete, world-class athlete like Rondo. I can't pass like Rondo. I can't get up and down the court like Rondo. But I still have found ways to avoid slipping in showers. I've still found ways not to get injured in the shower. Stuff happens, I guess. Stuff happens. But he's out six to eight weeks. Obviously a big blow to the Boston Celtics. Obviously, if you're the Boston Celtics, it's a big blow if you're looking to move Rondo. And, and you know, that, that may not happen anytime soon. And that may not have been happening anytime soon anyway. That's obviously a tough situation for the Boston Celtics. Rajon Rondo out six to eight weeks, slipping in the shower, breaking his hand in the shower. Wow. We're going to go back to the NFL now. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by a guy who, who is helping his team get off to a 3-0 and start. We're going to ask him. When, he, when we come back, we're going to ask him, are the Arizona Cardinals for real? And what is so different about this Cardinals team? Because if you remember, the Arizona Cardinals back in 2012 were off to a 4-0 start, 4-0 start. And it then it just all fell apart from there. Fell apart big time from there for the Arizona Cardinals. If you remember back in 2012, the Arizona Cardinals got off to a 4-0 start, including a victory against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Including that. And that was back in 2012. They got off to that 4-0 start with Kevin Cobb as their quarterback. You remember Kevin Cobb. You remember him. But they were off to a 4-0 start back in 2012. And from there, they only won one more time. We're going to ask Sam Ocho if this version of the Arizona Cardinals will be different. We'll see. What Sam has to say. You listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but. That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, trying to throw you, you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. 
I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. And again, we're going to bring in a guy. We're going to bring in a guy who who's helped the Arizona Cardinals get off to a three and zero start. Surprising three and zero start. And Arizona Cardinals on top of the NFC West, on top of San Francisco, on top of Seattle. Let's bring him in now, Cardinals linebacker Sam Ocho. Sam, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm glad to be here. Big victory by you guys against the 49ers. Defensively, you gave up 14 points in that first half, and you shut them out the rest of the way. What was the difference in that second half for your defense? The biggest difference from us defensively is that uh, the first half, we didn't really know how they were going to attack us. You saw uh, they had two tight ends out. Their two starting tight ends were both out, and so we didn't know how, how they were going to try to attack us. You saw they, they had a lot of quick passes in that first half and you know a lot of the short routes where they could get a couple yards like dink and dunk. And then finally in the second half, we realized how they were trying to attack us. We made the adjustments and we shut them down. Definitely. You guys shut them down, shut them out in that second half, and ultimately you won the game. Let's look at this game more. You look at your quarterback, Drew Stanton, filling in for Carson Palmer. I mean, he looked good in that second half, made the plays in that second half, and, and made some plays the past two weeks. Talk about what you're seeing out of Drew Stanton. Well, Drew's really stepped up. He's a guy who – uh, he's confident in his ability, and he just makes plays. And you talk about kind of the catch-22 of being a backup quarterback. You're called upon to play at a high level, yet uh, you may not ever get it. You may not ever get your number called. You look at last year; Drew didn't play a snap last year. Right. He was backing up Carson Palmer, and then this year Carson goes down, and Drew steps up, and plays at a high level, and leads our team to victory twice. I don't want to start any trouble, man, but. Do we have a quarterback controversy in Arizona, possibly? I, I would say we don't. We uh, Carson's our quarterback, and that's kind of where we're at, and what we, and that's that's where we're at. And so when he's healthy, uh, he's our guy. But in all reality, we believe in the next man up mentality, and we've seen what Drew can do. So it's kind of good to know we have two quarterbacks that can lead us to victory. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Sam Macho, and you talked about that next man up, no Darnell Dockett. No Daryl Washington, no John Abraham, and that next man up has, has always stepped up for your defense. Talk about that and talk about the mindset of, of this Cardinal defense. Yeah, well, we uh, we're a team, and we know that one player and one one player at one position isn't going to carry the entire team. We know that it's going to take all of us, and it takes each person being ready, kind of like we saw with Drew Stanton. He's a guy who didn't get his number called a lot the year prior, but when he when he got his number called, he stepped up to the plate. And in the same way, that's how this next man up mentality works. You saw Darnell Dockett getting out for the season, John being on IR, Daryl Washington being unable to play. Those are three key. Those are three key players who were on our defense last year, and they're all out. And so uh, the next man has to be ready to perform at a high level. 
for sure, and, and you guys are stepping up, and that next man up, including yourself, have stepped up for the Arizona Cardinals. I, I look at last week's game, and I look at the NFC West, man, and I see a very physical division, the Seahawks, your, you guys, the, the 49ers, a lot of physical football being played in the NFC West. Talk about how physical that game was on Sunday. It was a physical game, and every Sunday is physical, and the way we see it, the most physical team is going to win the game. And so we saw that on Sunday we were the most physical team. For sure. And and, and that's saying a lot when when you're playing the San Francisco 49ers, a very, very physical team. I want to ask you this. You know, you're, you're on the defensive side of the ball. We saw two penalties in that game against the 49ers, uh, some, a couple penalties, penalties that a lot of people disagree with. As a defensive player, how hard is it nowadays to tackle legally? Like, is it difficult at times with the new rules and everything? The new rules do make it tough. I was watching a game last year when I was injured, and uh, we were playing, I want to say, it made, I want to say, I forgot what team we were playing, but they threw the ball in the end zone, and as soon as the ball was thrown, Rashad Johnson, our safety, collided with the man and the ball, trying to knock the ball out, and by no means was it a vicious hit. By no means was there any uh, malintent, but he got called for a personal foul because he was trying to dislodge the man and the ball after the man had caught the ball. And so uh, basically at the same instant the man had caught the ball. And so that was a tough one. And you start seeing that sometimes it gets a little hard to play the game you want to play or play the way you want to play with some of the penalties. But in all reality, you just have to adjust and you have to uh, make the best of it. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Sam Macho. And Sam, Bruce Arians, I mean, he's brought a winning attitude to the Cardinals. You guys won 10 games last season. You guys are off to a 3-0 start right now. Talk about playing for Coach Bruce Arians. Yeah, B.A., he's a guy that you want to play for. He's a guy who, I mean, he has fun. He believes in what he does, and he believes in the process. And one thing he always reminds us is to trust the process. Trust what got us here. Don't try and go around the process, just just take things a day at a time, work every day as if, you know, as if, as if it's a necessary day to win, which it is, and trust the process. And you guys are trusting the process, as we've seen right now, 3-0 and and on top of the NFC West. And how about that defense? And we, we talked about the defense, your play against the 49ers, and, and you guys have been playing some big-time defense throughout the course of this season. One of the reasons is your defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. Talk about what Todd Bowles has done for this defense. Yeah, Coach Bowles, another, he's another coach who just who players enjoy playing for. And I think the reason we do is because of he's, he's proven that he just is not afraid to go after a team and, and, and go for the throat and, and just finish them when we need to, and that's what we do. For sure, for sure. I mean, that defense has been big time throughout the course of the season. As we said, you guys are 3-0 and on top of the NFC West. We talked about Seattle coming into the season, obviously, Super Bowl champions. We talked about the 49ers coming into the season. Did we forget about the Arizona Cardinals? Well, you know, we, you know, the did we forget about the Arizona Cardinals? We have to prove it. As a team, we have to prove it. We have to, to, to remind people that, that, hey, we're still here. And and in all reality, that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to prove to anyone what we can do because we know what we can do. But in order to gain that respect and earn that respect, you have to 
continue to win week in and week out. You have to continue to play physical week in and week out. You have to win your division games. You have to beat the Niners if you want to be taken seriously. And so uh, that's not our main focus, but it, it is it is an, an external motivator that helps us a little bit. Let me ask you this. Back in 2012, the Arizona Cardinals got off to a 4-0 start, and from there it pretty much fell apart. What makes this team different? Everything. Everything makes this team different. We have, I mean, if you just look at X's and O's, we have a different coaching staff, with almost 100% new coaching staff, uh, new players, a new system. <laughs> every, it's a completely different team. And this isn't the 2012 Cardinals. This isn't even the 2013 Cardinals. This is the 2014 Arizona Cardinals. And we're a different team than we were last year, a different team than uh, even even in – Two years ago, and so uh, everything is different about this team. We have a we have a, a confidence about ourselves. If you look at the team three year, two years ago, if you would have asked us at the be- beginning of the season if we would have thought we would have been, we would have started four and most of the guys would say no. We would we wouldn't think we'd be four and Whereas this year, if you ask, do we expect to be three and or did we expect to be three and We all would say, of course, without a doubt. And so uh, we have higher expectations. And I look at you now, I mean, you're coming off the leg injury, you're back, you replaced John Abraham, you, you played fairly well, you had an interception against the Giants. As a whole, are you happy with what your with your play right now? Honestly, I got to get, I have, a, I have a lot of room to improve. Uh, I got to get better, and I'm happy that we're winning games, uh, but personally, I want to I wanna play better as just individually, and, and I know it's going to help us win down the line. I know I will, I know it's coming. Uh, a lot of times, you have to you know, one, one thing that we're that we've been reminded is not to be complacent, you know. And I think sometimes as you, as you start winning games, let's say you start playing well individually, you can tend to become complacent. And so I still have that hunger and that desire to, to make to make more plays to make an impact, you know. In the Niners game, I'm so glad we won as a team, but I want to be I want to make more of an impact on the field, and that's going to be my goal to make an impact, to be disruptive, and uh, to just to just make an impact, a bigger a big impact on the game. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Sam Ochoa. Sam, some bad news coming from the Cardinals. You had the whole situation with Jonathan Dwyer. What were your thoughts when you heard the story? I was surprised. I didn't see it coming. It was kind of blindsided me a little bit. And and you know I'm, I'm hoping for, I'm hoping the best for Jonathan. Obviously, I you know those actions, the actions that that were alleged, that were written about, or you know if they're true, those are those are those are it's a bad, bad, bad decision, and we all make bad decisions. And so I'm not saying that his is worse than anyone else's. His just has, has been publicized, and uh, you know, I, n- I never, you know, condone hitting a woman, or, or I've never, and never have, never will. But uh, it's just tough. It's tough as a teammate, as a friend, to see that. And uh, I wish the best for him. I just know that. <laughs> I know that. There are a lot of things that a lot of people do that they wish people wouldn't find out about. And so, I mean, I think it actually it's good. You know, I think it's good that that uh, it, at least now it forces not only him, but it brings awareness to a lot of other people that hey, you need to you need to start acting right because even though you think no one else is looking, there's always eyes on you. You know, and so start doing the right thing and start treating other people the way you would want to be treated. Sure. You know, I, I, I'm, sure. I've been married for six, seven months now, and 
you know, one thing I learned is that, you know, you and your wife, you're, you're one, you know, you're, you're one, you're one body, you're, you know, you're one, you're one flesh really. And so uh, if you, if you're hitting your wife, you're hitting yourself, you know, sure. if you love your wife and if you love yourself, you wouldn't hit yourself. No, nobody would sit here and, and, and injure themselves purposely. And so in the same way, if you're, if you're, Injuring your wife, really injuring yourself, your wife, Beyonce, whatever. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with that situation. Have you spoke to him at all? Not since the incident. I haven't, I haven't got a chance to speak with him. Um, okay. You know, obviously I would see him in locker room every day beforehand. and I haven't spoken with him, and that's not because I'm upset or anything like that. I'm, I'm in, the, in, the, in the near future, I'm sure I'll reach out. Uh, right. Sometimes with these situations, at least the way I approach them is I let it let it settle down a little bit. Um, sure, yeah, definitely. And and you know, to your point, you you made a point. Um, you know, I, I think in our society we've become like ultra critical of people and ultra judgmental of people. Look, what what Jonathan Dwyer is alleged to have done is is bad. If he did it, it's bad. But what I'm saying is, you know. Be mindful that everybody has dirt. Be mindful that right. everybody makes mistakes, and, and, and no one out here is perfect, none of us. So I, I, right. when I look at some of these stories, yes, it's bad, but at the same time, I, I just think as a, as a society, we've become ultra judgmental. Do you feel that way, uh, you know, on the inside looking out? I completely agree. I think as a society, we, we have become ultra judgmental and, we think that we are perfect and everyone else is not, and that's just it's it's completely wrong because all of us are are flawed, no one's perfect, everyone has made mistakes uh and all everybody falls short, you know nobody's perfect, and we like to peg ourselves well, at least I didn't do this and and at least i I would never do that, and I can't believe he would do that yet you look at it and and in some people's eyes. What you're doing is worse than what other someone else did that's being judged. And so For sure. uh, we become very critical. I mean, it's not my job to, to judge someone. It's my job to love them and to try and help in any way I can, especially look at a teammate, someone I, who I have close interaction with. It's my job to help in any way I can and be there for them. Uh, I'm not going to be the judge because I don't want to be judged in the same way. If I'm starting to get judged in the same way, then there are a lot of things people could look at in my life and say, well, Sam, how could you ever do that? I couldn't believe Right. No, that's not. I'm not. That's not. I'm not ready for that, and I don't think anyone is. For sure, for sure. We're talking to Arizona Cardinals linebacker Sam Macho, and you talked about it. You had a busy summer, man. You got married this summer. Congratulations. How's married life? Married life is good. Married life is good. So it's been uh, March 15th. I got married on March 15th, so we're a little over six months, and honestly, it's been the. Uh, the most fun yet most challenging yet most exciting uh, six months of my life. I couldn't imagine uh, being married number one to anyone else. I mean, my wife is unbelievable, and uh, she loves me and she respects me in a way that that no one else could. And I mean, it's an honor to, for me to be able to say that I'm her husband. So that's huge for me. And also, it's 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 big because I, I think that when things are going good at home, it can help with work. It can help with your relationships with others. And so uh, it's so awesome to have a wife who I love and trust and, 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 you know, kind of that need fulfilled as far as like someone who can respect me, someone who I can love and spend time with. It helps with football. 
you know, because now I'm not really worried about all the little things because uh, I know I'm someone who has my back and someone who can support me and encourage me. It helps me on the field. It helps me with my relationships with people. It helps me with everything. And so I'd encourage uh, people, especially if you find a, a good wife, to, to, to go for it. For sure. And you think football's hard. <laughs> Wait till you – marriage is very tough. <laughs> marriage yes, is, yes. is, is I, very tough. And I sometimes compare them a little bit just because you put in so much work in football, so much work, whether you're lifting weights, you're watching film, you're uh, you're trying to eat right, or you're going to sleep at a certain time, waking up at a certain time. You put in a lot of work, and as you put in that work, you still may not see all the results you want. You, you will little by little. Uh, and marriage is, I would say, it's similar. You have to, you can't neglect or neglect or ignore your marriage. You have to put time in it. You have to put work, just like anything else. And so, uh, it's 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 challenging for sure, um, but it's also fun, you know. Like it's so rewarding uh, to be able to to have a partner, someone who you can uh, who you can just do life with together, someone who's on your team. You know, it's, sure. it's, it's good. When it's good, it's great, and when it's bad, it's bad. <laughs> yep, yep. But you can work through it. You can work through it, just like any sure. any relationship. We had a guy. We had a guy talk to us. Um, today who was uh, in the Marines and he was telling us just a little bit of, of, you know, what he did and how he led and everything like that. And, and one thing he talked about is that if you're in any relationship with anybody, you're going to butt heads. You're going to butt heads. Think about any relationships you've been in and, and ask, and think if you, if, has there been a relationship where you've never butted heads, you know, no. a, a real relationship with someone you care about and, and no, you know, if it's someone you care about, you're going to butt heads. And so, but I think the biggest thing, one thing that people would always ask me, I'd always say, well, what's the, you know, what's the, the, the best part about marriage? Um, and it's, 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 it's not butting heads, no, but it's making up after we butt heads. Because usually I'd be a guy who, if I argue and, I, and, I, and we're not on the same page, I'll be upset for a while. Yet with my wife and I, I can't hold that. I can't harbor that anger or that. I can't harbor that forever. I can't harbor that for, for long at all. I have to, to forgive her. I have to. Uh, except allow her to forgive me. I can't harbor that. And so it's been cool to be able to, yeah, disagree with someone and not be on the same page, yet still we work through it. For sure. And I'm looking at the schedule. October 26th, yes. Emmanuel Acho, your brother in the Philadelphia Eagles, well, you guys, well, they traveled to Arizona to play you guys. What's it going to be mm-hmm. like playing against your brother? That's going to be a great game. And he actually started this week. Uh, he plays inside linebacker for the Eagles. Michael Kendrick went down, and he got his number yeah. called next man up. And uh, it's going to be good. I got that I got that date kind of circled on the calendar because uh, it's going to be a fun game. I mean, I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> it should be fun. I can't imagine, man. It should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. It, it, wouldn't it be weird? Let me ask you this. And, and what if a brawl is going on on the field and your brother's oh, in the wow. Against your teammates, I mean, how would you react to that particular situation? Have, that would be tough. I haven't even thought about that one yet. There's a brawl because you know the Eagles and the, and the Redskins just had a brawl on their in sure. their game, and uh, I haven't thought about that one yet. But if there's a brawl in the in the Cardinals, the Eagles, obviously, you know my my brother is my brother, but on that Sunday, I'm sticking with my team. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I. I 
I, I saw, man, you you have a show out there in Arizona. How's that going for yes, you? Yes, sir. It's going good. It's called the Sam Macho Show, and I we, it's every Tuesday. It's on AZ Central. Uh, so if you just go to AZ Central, click on the sports section, you'll see it right there. And it's a, it's a it's fun. You know, it's an hour long show. It's all online. You can live stream it online, or you can if you're people are in Arizona, you can come and watch it live at the Native Grill and Wings right across from the stadium. But it's fun. And so our first show, I had the guest was Calais Campbell. And everybody knows Calais, and he's a good friend of mine, teammate, obviously. So uh, we talked about sports, you know, did the whole – people want to know about fantasy sports, so there's a fantasy section. But we also got a chance to play charades, which I love playing games. And so on, on live TV, we were playing charades. And, and this last week, on, on episode number two, I'm, I'm not, we talked about brawls, right? You talked about teens versus teens. Well, recently at our last game versus the Niners, there was a brawl in the stands. There was a, right. some Cardinals fans and some Niner fans were going at it. And there's one guy who, I mean, some people say he's a hero. Some people say he's a villain. But long story short, somebody who was fighting, I think it was a 49ers fan, was, had, had one security guard who was trying to hold him back, had a security guard in a chokehold. And so this huh? bystander, who was this guy, happened to be wearing a Darnell Dockett jersey, saw that, tried to remove the that Niners fans hand from the security guard's throat and when he couldn't get it off he actually uh punched the punched the that Niners fan you know in a, in a rea- reactionary <laughs> kind of deal and that video that that video that that video went viral and there's a lot of you know people say oh I can't believe he did that people say he's a hero the villain well we had him come on the show and and during that time Docket tweeted like hey I respect this guy for standing up you know, trying to help somebody else. And he's wearing a docket jersey. I got to meet this guy. And so the Sam Macho show, what did we do? We had to meet. So I had docket come on the show uh, and meet and meet this fan who was, who was in this video that went viral. And they met. And the first time this guy met docket and, and docket being who he is, talked a little bit about the experience and what happened and actually said, hey, you know, I really respect you a lot. I have a, I have a gift for you. I want to give you my Pro Bowl jersey. Wow. And so on the Sam Macho show, you see this awesome exchange where Darnell Dockett gives the fan his one of his three or four. I, I, I think he's been to the Pro Bowl five, maybe five times. And he said he had three jerseys left. He usually gives them to certain fans who he, who he chooses, and this is one of the guys he chose. So uh, you can see it all. I, I'm describing it here, but you can see it all on, on azcentral.com. And click on the sports section, you'll see the Sam Macho show, and it's right on there. In episode two, you can watch it. For sure. Fans, make sure you support all the great things going on with Sam Macho. Go to SamMacho.com and also hit him up on Twitter, at TheSamMacho. I got to ask you this. You guys are 3-0 on top of the NFC West. Are you guys legitimate Super Bowl contenders at this point? It's a long season. It's a long season. And do we believe we can be in that game? Hands down, by no, you know, without a doubt. Like, there's no doubt at all. But we have to keep on laying bricks right now. And right now it's, it's the first quarter of the season for us, quote-unquote, is, is done because we got this bye week, week four. But uh, we got to keep on laying bricks. And so uh, we're looking at the next game, and our next game is against the Denver Broncos, Peyton Manning quarterback. And that's, sure. that's the next victory we need to get. We, need, we want to be 4-0 and leaving, leaving Denver. And I think that game against the Broncos should tell us a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals. Would you agree? 
I would agree. And I mean, I, I think it might tell other people, we know who we are as a team. We know what we can do. And and once again, if we want to get that respect, we have to go and earn it, and that, that'd be, that's another chance to earn it. Again, fans, go to his website, sammacho.com. Support him on Twitter, at the Macho, And also go to azcentral.com and support the Macho show. Sam, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Thank you. Thank you so Take much. Care. Yeah, thanks for having me. You too. No problem. Sam Ancho, linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. <clears throat> you know the Cardinals? You know, he's confident in his team at this point, 3-0. and um, You know, I, ha- I have some doubts. I'm not going to lie to you. I have some doubts when it comes to the Cardinals. I'm not too sold on their quarterback play. Um, I'm not. And I totally don't believe in, in Carson Palmer. So I have an issue there. Um, obviously, Drew Stanton, who won the last two games for him, I don't know how much I believe in him. So, I, you know, the issue is, is is with the quarterbacks. And, you know, my issue is with the quarterback situation in Arizona. That's my issue. That's my issue when when it, when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. And you're still playing a tough division. I know the 49ers are struggling a little bit now, but at the end of the day, I think they're going to still be there. And, of course, you've got the Seattle Seahawks and all that they bring to the table. Arizona Cardinals, I mean, obviously a team that won 10 football games last year. So this is a team that can play. This is a team that's good. This is a good football team. I mean, 10 games is 10 games. And winning 10 games in the National Football League isn't easy, especially when you play in that type of division. Especially when you play a division where you have the the 49ers and the world champion Seahawks. So 10 games is impressive when it comes to the NFC West. My thing is, and my thing will always be with the Arizona Cardinals at this point in time, it's their quarterback situation. That's my beef. That's my issue. Second hour, go for it. We're a little, little late with this. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. Second hour of Go For It right now. That was my man, Corey Live. we got to get Corey Live back on the show. we got to get Corey Live back on the show. But um, second hour of Go For It starting right now in this hour. Expect it to be joined by Hall of Famer. Willie Rofe and Willie will be joining us. I'm going to get his take on some of the things going on in the National Football League. Kirk Cousins' performance last night. Who is the best 3-0 team in the National Football League at this point? Um, you know, Peyton Manning. The Seahawks seem to have his number. The New Orleans Saints, they travel to Dallas. We're going to get Willie's take on that. So we're going to have Willie Rofe coming up in the next seven minutes. Willie will be joining us. So we look forward to that. Tony Stewart came out that he was cleared of charges, or the grand jury cleared him, 
and he will not be facing any charges uh, for second-degree murder. I guess that's what it was. Uh, he faced two possible charges, second-degree manslaughter or criminal, criminally negligent homicide. The grand jury found no basis. They did find marijuana in the system of Kevin Ward. And, and you know, it was. I thought it would be difficult to, to get a conviction in that particular situation just based off, um, you know, Ward running on the track like that. And, and you would have to prove, I mean, Ward, Kevin Ward was negligent on some level running on the track the way he did it. And this is a situation where truly this is one of those deals where the only person who knew or knows what happened on that particular night, the only people who know what happened on that particular day is the only person, not people, the only person is, is Tony Stewart. So Tony Stewart, he'll know in his heart of hearts whether or not he tried to run Kevin Ward over, Kevin Ward Jr. over. Only he'll know. I don't know. You don't know. Only he knows. So if he says he didn't do it purposely and it was a mistake, well, you have to take him on his word at this point. And, I, and you know, I don't know any other way to do it. He, this is a story in a case in a situation where Kevin Ward is the only one who knows what transpired on that day, who knows what was in his heart, what was in his mind. Tony Stewart's the only one that knows. So, really, we we really Tony Stewart, and I hope for his sake, because ultimately, you do things of that nature, whether it was purposely done, you do pay eventually in life. Life has a way of catching up to you. But I hope that he didn't do it. I hope it was just that an accident. I do. Now, the Ward family may have a civil suit against Tony Stewart. So they might prepare a civil suit against Tony Stewart. So we'll see what happens with that and, and, and you know, what transpires with that. But at this point, Tony Stewart is cleared of any charges. And uh, at this point, he's a free man. Well, he always was free. But now he's really free because there's no pending charges, possible pending charges, Standing on and hanging over his head. So, interesting. It was interesting. I mean, it was interesting because you just never knew what, what actually could happen from that standpoint. But, you know, it's an unfortunate incident. Obviously, an unfortunate incident. You, you obviously don't want to see anybody die. Never. And, and so, I mean, we'll just see what happens moving forward and hopefully. The Ward family at some point can, can try to get, they'll never get through it, but hopefully they can deal with it better moving forward. And hopefully, you know, Tony Stewart, the, hopefully the truth is the truth. And hopefully he didn't do what they said he may have done. Hopefully. We'll see. Well, according to the NFL, there is no evidence the tape was ever sent or received to NFL uh, body NFL 
the elevator tape with Ray Rice. Inside the elevator, that's that's the one. That's the that's the smoking gun. That's the one that got Ray Rice suspended indefinitely. That's the one. The first one got people up in arms, but this one put it over the top. This one put it over the top. But at this point, according to the NFL, quote, our office has found absolutely no evidence to support the claim of the anonymous law enforcement source that he sent a video to the NFL office or that he received a telephone call to this to his disposable cell phone from an unidentified female using an NFL line, according to the league. This is according to the league. NFL senior vice president of security said this, quote, I unequivocally deny that I received at any time a copy of the video and I had not watched it until it was made public on September 8th. Well, former FBI Director Mueller will investigate, and we'll see what he comes up with. You might not like what he comes up with. You might question what he comes up with. But he's, it's an investigation, and we'll see what he comes up with. And I, I, I don't know what happened. Well, I, I, I guess it, it points to the cover-up, a possible cover-up by the NFL. Or I guess it points to the NFL, not a cover-up per se, but the NFL basically maybe doing a solid for Steve Bashotti. Goodell doing a solid for his boy Bashotti. I mean, that it's just, I don't know, I mean, it. You got all these denials by the NFL, and they're continuing to deny they've ever seen the video. Maybe they didn't see the video. Maybe they didn't. It's just mind-boggling that you did not go through. If you didn't see it, it's just mind-boggling that you didn't go through the necessary steps to see it. Come on. And, and, and so that 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 points to you, the NFL, not wanting to know. Pretty much. And and maybe you're you're the you the NFL doing a boy a, a solid for your boy, Goodell doing a solid for his boy Bashadi Steve Bashadi, the owner of the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see what happens with this investigation. We'll see what former FBI Director Mueller can come up with. We'll see if former FBI Director Mueller will find that. Ray Wright, well, we'll find that the NFL had the video, saw the video, and did not act on the video. But we'll see. Maybe the story will go away at some point in time. It's not going away until the investigation is over. It should be interesting. But I think this is the year of the NFL. This is a, a calm week off the field in comparison to what we saw last week at and, and all the things that was going on the past couple of weeks in the National Football League with all the things that's been coming out. This is a calm week, and for the, if you're the NFL, the focus is back on the field, and you've got to be excited about that, to have the focus back on the field, because the focus was off the field, big time off the field, especially when you have situations with guys like Adrian Peterson and, and, and guys like Greg Hardy and, and Ray Rice and, things, and, and players of that nature. We have incidents of domestic abuse and 
you know, child abuse and everything of that, things of that nature. People talking about that instead of talking about what is on the field. And what's on the field is pretty exciting. And let's look at now. Well, before we get to that, Devin Steele and, you know, his daughter had surgery today to remove the tumor, the cancerous tumor. So at this point, at this point, the tumor is gone. And, you know, you hope now moving forward, you know, obviously anybody with a child of that age, you know, anybody would, would, I mean, that's got to be tough. It's It's got to be rough. A four-year-old. I mean, my daughter's four years old. I have a four-year-old daughter. So, you know, if, if something of that nature was going on with my four-year-old daughter, I don't know how I would react. I mean, I, I don't know how I could handle that. It would be difficult. Very difficult. Very difficult. But, you know, fortunately for him, the, the Bengals kept him on their practice squad. He was able to to keep the insurance and pay for the medical bills. He's saying the medical bills could cost around $1 million. Wow, health care is crazy in the United States. But anyway, Devin still obviously, and he talks about it, hey, his mind is not on football. His His mind is not on football. And, you know, I don't know how it could be on football. I mean, this is your baby girl, your four-year-old daughter, and, you know, just tough to see, tough to see. But, um, you know, you obviously, you're rooting for Leah, you're rooting for Devin, you're just hoping for the best. Cancer stinks, stinks. I mean, he, he tweeted out, after a five-hour and 50-minute surgery, and she's a trooper, Five hours and 50 minutes surgery was able to remove all of her tumor and, and all of her lymph nodes, and, and so everything is removed. And I was looking at the tweet, and I lost the tweet. Let me get the tweet back so I can read it. All of her tumor and all the lymph nodes and her right adrenal gland, where it all started from, best news I received in a long time. So all the tumor has been removed. It's removed. And a lot of people are chipping in. Apparently Philadelphia Eagles and Chip Kelly and the Eagle organization sent some things over to Devin Steele's daughter, Sean Payton, buying the Devin Steele jerseys. Beautiful. I mean, pretty girl. Pretty girl. So, you know, cancer. Cancer is awful. And no one. Deserves that dreaded disease, especially children. Especially children. But anyway, we're rooting for Leah Steele. We're rooting for Devin Steele. And we're rooting for nothing but the best out of both of those individuals. Hopefully everything will work out for them. And hopefully her health will be restored. And that's all you can root for in this particular situation. Let's go to the NBA now. And, you know... There's some bad contracts out there in the National Basketball Association. Some bad contracts. And we might have seen another bad contract. Eric Bledsoe 
re-signed with the Phoenix Suns. We, there was talk last week that the Minnesota Timberwolves had offered Bledsoe five years, was it five years, $63 million. I mean, pretty much max money for Eric Bledsoe. There was talk of that. And I just, I mean, I thought the initial deal that they offered him, a four-year, $48 million, was was fair. I thought that was in line with what the, the kind of money Eric Bledsoe probably should make. You could argue that's a, a, a smidge over, you know, a smidge over paid there. But that, that was the proper money for an Eric Bledsoe, not five years, $70 million. I mean, you know, guy. Other guys have gotten five-year deals this off season, but you're talking guys like Carmelo Anthony, guys like Kyrie Irving. I mean, you look at Eric Bledsoe, and you know Bledsoe had a solid season, played 43 games for the Suns, and when he was in the lineup, this team was 13 games over 500. When he was out of the lineup. They were only one game over 500, but he had a solid season. 47%, average 17 points a game. So he put the ball in the basket, five assists, four rebounds, did a lot of various things, but it's a lot. Five years, $70 million for Eric Bledsoe. That's a lot for, for Eric Bledsoe. That's a lot. For, for for I mean that's that's a lot of money. That's just absolutely a lot of money. I, I there's no way he could ever be worth this type of money. There's no way. There's no way that Eric Bledsoe could ever be worth this type of money. There's no way. I'm not questioning the talent or the ability of Eric Bledsoe, but th- this is. You know, franchise player type money that he's getting. This is franchise player money that he's getting. I mean, you know, obviously he didn't get the same opportunities that he got with Phoenix that he got with the Clippers. Clippers, but I mean, you look at him. You know, his career before last season, his highest number in terms of points per game was eight points per game. But, you know, with Phoenix, he got an opportunity now to get big-time minutes, got 32 minutes a game for the Cavalier, uh, for the Phoenix Suns, and, you know, he got it done. And in terms of his shots, I mean, he only took 12 shots a game. That's not a lot of shots. So he was able to put the ball in the basket, not taking a whole bunch of shots. I don't know, man, this – Last year was the first time, and granted, in in the NBA and a lot of times in sports, it's all about opportunity, but last year was the first time he's averaged double digits. And granted, again, he didn't get the same opportunities with the Clippers that he got with the Suns. But we're paying him, essentially, for one season. One season, Eric Bledsoe, pretty much. One season and potential. He is only 24 years old, but five years, $70 million for Eric Bledsoe, that's a whole heck of a lot of money. What a country. What a country. I mean, $70 million for Eric Bledsoe. Wow.
Let's go back to the NFL now, and we're going to bring in a guy to talk about the National Football League, talk about what's going on around the National Football League, get his thoughts on some of the great things going on in the National Football League. And the good thing now, the good thing is finally we can talk about on-the-field stuff. I mean, before, last week, I mean, we talked a lot about a lot of the off-the-field stuff. We finally can talk on-the-field stuff. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Willie Rowe. Willie. Paul, oh, how you doing? I just made it. I get excited, man. Me and Angela excited about going to the game. And I, I want one thing about Bledsoe. Did 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 uh did didn't, uh, Phoenix, did Phoenix sign uh, Bledsoe? Phoenix signed a five year, seventy million. Okay, well, how much? Uh, they got another point guard that's coming up. They're gonna have to pay him, right? He he he's, 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 he's the he's the he's the franchise. The other point guard, Dragic, right? Yeah, you got Dragic. You signed Isaiah Thomas as well in the off season. I mean, you, you drafted Tyler Ennis, so I mean they got a lot of point guards for the uh, Phoenix Suns. I mean, seventy million—that's a lot of money, whole heck of a lot. Of that's money. a whole lot of money. I mean, he's a good player. He's been good. And and and, and another thing about giving him seventy million—he he had a hurt knee last year. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't back got seventy million. He came up an injury last year. And and the thing is, I mean, before last season, and I, I know last season his minutes went up. But before last season, I mean, last season was the first time that he scored an average double digits, or average 17 points last year. But other than that, he was below 10 points per game. And to your point, he only played 43 games last season for the Phoenix Suns. A lot of money for him. Wow. Woo, what a country. But you're in Dallas. Last week, you were in New Orleans for the Saints and the Vikings. Now you're in Dallas for the Saints and the Cowboys. You following the Saints? You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring a good aura around the team. We're trying to bring some good. We went to practice last week. Now we're in Dallas, so we're trying to bring some good energy uh, with the team. And uh, you know, I know Dallas owes them because last year the Saints bust the clock on Dallas, and uh, you know, I know they're going they're two and one, and they've been playing better. And you know, especially after that week one, everybody was, you know, t- talking about about the Cowboys. I gotta say, I gotta say that they have. Uh, been playing better football the last couple weeks. For sure. I mean, Dallas definitely after, you know, week one, their offense is, is is putting points up on the board. And, you know, defensively they're not great, but they made some plays against the, the Titans uh, two weeks ago. And then uh, played, you know, after the Rams got out early, they played some pretty good defense down the stretch, made some decent plays. But, you know, that, that's what you're going to expect with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this should be an exciting game to be at. I mean, it's going to be a lot of points scored. There's going to be a lot of points scored, and it's going to be which I think the Saints will always play better indoors in a situation where they're playing on a fast track and they're not, and they're not outside. So I think the Saints are going to be able to score points, and uh, I think it's going to come down to which defense is going to be able to make plays that's going to determine the game. Somebody's defense is going to have to get create some turnovers, and, um, and I know anybody playing against the Saints is going to try to have to run the ball. And, and I think uh, they're going to try to establish the run against the Saints in play action, and uh, it's going to come down to, uh, to, to the defense. So, to, uh, so we'll see what happens. Let me ask you this. If the Saints win this game, are you going to continue to travel with this team? Or are you going to keep this up? I mean, if the no, 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 no. You know, I'm here for business too, Paul. I mean, okay, for me to get okay. on the flight, man, we're going to come down. We're here for uh, a little business and a little pleasure. Okay, all right, all right. Always business before pleasure. But, I mean, you know, if the Saints win again, 
I mean, you got to keep going with this. You can't well, let your face down. If they want again and they want me to keep traveling with them, obviously Mr. Benson is going to have to help me with some traveling expenses. I'm not going to be traveling by myself without some traveling expenses. So, I mean, I don't think they know I'm traveling with them right now. So, uh, okay. but uh, I am here to support them, and um, I will be going to Kansas City for the game uh, November 1st. Uh, the great priest home is going in the ring of honor, so we're looking forward to going up there for that game. Okay, all right. Now, let me ask you this now. We saw last night, and, you know, a lot of people have been talking, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, and, you know, he had a big-time performance against the Eagles, ultimately in a loss, but he put up 427 yards, three touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagle defense. That's really not that very good. But, again, he, he still put up the numbers, and then he comes back last night uh, and, and totally different performance, one touchdown, four interceptions, and he looked awful. Should we pump the brakes on this Kirk Cousins as the franchise quarterback for the Redskins? Well, that's been a problem with Paul. He's been very inconsistent. I mean, you would have thought after what he did last year to come out on the big stage, you would think you would put on a performance. And and to be honest with you, that's why they haven't given up on RT3 to a certain point because Cousins can't come out. You can't come out there after playing the way he did last week and play the way he did uh, this week and and threw some some terrible balls and – really hurt the team. You can't come out there and be that inconsistent. I know you can say he hasn't been starting as much, but he has, he's had a few weeks just to practice. He's been doing, taking all the reps. So, I mean, what, what happened last night was pretty much inexcusable for that type of performance if you're trying to be a starting quarterback in this league, not a backup. For sure. And, and you know, it, it's he had a big-time performance. And, you know, I, you look at the Washington Redskins now, I mean, just looking at their schedule, the next couple of weeks, I mean, the Redskins, if, if before they look at it, the Redskins could be one and five. I mean, you got Seattle next week at home, but I mean, you, you still Seattle's still very good. Then you travel to Arizona, so the Redskins could be one and five in the next two weeks, and and at that point, you're looking towards next year if you're the Washington Redskins. So, I mean, last night's game was a big game for the Redskins, and for them to lose the way they did, it, it, it's big, and the Giants are playing some pretty good football. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rose. And, Willie, let me ask you this. Last week, Peyton Manning tried to get revenge against the Seattle Seahawks, and, and for most of that game, the Seahawks were in control, but Peyton Manning near the end of that game made some plays, got that game to overtime, but ultimately Russell Wilson and the Seahawks got the victory. Do the Seahawks just own Peyton Manning? Uh, I think the Seahawks own Peyton Manning on that team. Um, while we're talking about Peyton Manning, we need to give credit to that Russell Wilson guy because he's owned sure. some of the best quarterbacks ever played this game. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, some of these guys. I mean, Russell Wilson made the plays with his feet and pass, and then he, uh, obviously Marshawn Lynch when he got to the goal line. But Russell Wilson made the plays. To beat Peyton Manning, and if you look at I don't I don't know the statistics, Paul, but if you look at uh, Russell Wilson head to head against some of the top quarterbacks in the league, he's done a pretty damn good job. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and, uh, and, and Peyton Manning. I mean, Russell Wilson's got a winning percentage against those guys, and uh, I think that's going to reflect on his next contract. For sure, he's definitely going to get himself paid when it's all said and done. To your point, he's seven and zero, seven and zero against Brady. Manning, Rodgers, and Breeze. So, I mean, that's the who's who's in NFL football in terms of the quarterback position. This guy is 7-0 and against those guys. So, to your point, 
He makes plays when he needs to make plays. It's not always pretty, but it, it gets the job done. And the Seattle Seahawks off to a 2-1 start, and they seem to own Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. But we'll see if these two teams will meet again in the Super Bowl. Willie, let's look around the NFL right now. Bengals, 3-0. Philadelphia Eagles, 3-0. Arizona Cardinals, 3-0. Out of those three teams, what team do you think is the best of the 3 and O's? Out of those two, three teams, if I'm looking at both sides of the ball and everything, I probably have to say, say the Bengals. I'll say that because I think the Bengals have more experience. Uh, I think Arizona has experience too, but the Bengals, I don't really know about Philly right now. I can't, I can't really – they, they're going to dominate. They, they look good, but I can't tell you because of, you know, falls and, and they're young. But I, I think the Bengals have been around a while, while. They've been waiting on the quarterback to step up. they got they got talented receivers. they got a veteran offensive line, some good guys up front on the defensive side of the ball, and some, real, some good defensive backs. So I, I'd have to say the Bengals are the best 3 no team. I think I would agree with you. I mean, if you look at the other teams, I mean, you look at the Eagles offensively, they're great. Defensively, not so great. I mean, you look at the Arizona Cardinals. I like their defense, but I don't like their quarterback situation, whether it's Carson Palmer or Drew Stanton. So, to me, I would agree. The best 3-0 and team is probably the Cincinnati Bengals. They're a balanced football team. They're getting it done on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they shut down that Atlanta offense, that big-time Atlanta offense. And we saw what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so this is a, like you said, I think the Bengals are probably the best 3-0 team out there. I would agree with you. And we'll see what happens moving forward. A lot of great football to be played. Willie, enjoy Dallas, man. Uh, hopefully for you, the Saints will get a victory, man. And as always, look forward to doing this again. We look forward to doing it again. And, uh, and, and we're, uh, we're excited to be here, and hopefully we get them a win. But uh, I think it's going to be a good football game. You get the red. It's crazy in Dallas. You've got Groundland playing Prairie View this week. You have the Raiderbacks okay. playing Texas A&M going back to the old Southwestern Conference days. And then you have the Saints Dallas. So it's a big, big, big football weekend in Dallas this weekend. Are you going to make it to any of those college games? We might go to the Arkansas-Texas A&M game. Uh, you know, I remember growing up watching, and I especially being from Brown Bluff, the Southwestern Conference, you know, those were uh, big games when Arkansas played against Texas teams. For sure, man. You're living a life. Enjoy yourself. All right, Paul. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe, out there in Big D, Dallas, Texas, enjoying himself. I mean, you look at the look at Willie, and, and last week he was in New Orleans, and the Saints, who were – 0-2 at the time, beat the Minnesota Vikings. Well, it, it didn't hurt that Matt Castle went out. That didn't hurt. But anyway, Willie Rofe is bringing his, his, his mojo, this good mojo to, uh, you know, to the New Orleans Saints, and they got the victory against the Vikings. Let's see if we can bring that mojo to Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys, and, and maybe the Saints can get the victory. But, you know, just talking about, the Cincinnati Bengals, and to me, excuse me, still battling this cold, by the way, but to me, the Cincinnati Bengals, probably the best 3-0 team out there, probably. I mean, this is a team, you know, getting decent quarterback play from Andy Dalton, and here's the thing, and then Willie's right. 
when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you know, uh, you, you figure they're a playoff team. But when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, you're looking at now their quarterback position, their quarterback play. Andy Dalton's been solid in the regular season. Andy Dalton had a great year for the Bengals last year. Had a solid season. Solid season. 33 touchdowns. A solid season out of Andy Dalton. Last season for the Bengals. Your questions with Andy Dalton are not the regular season. The questions with Andy Dalton has been in the postseason. That's your questions. I mean, 4,200 yards, over 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns last season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Your issue with with Andy Dalton, the 61% completion percentage in the regular season career-wise. Your issue with Andy Dalton is not what happens in the regular season. Your issue with Andy Dalton is what happens in the postseason. And we saw what happened in the postseason the last three seasons. Hasn't been good. Actually, it's been awful. Andy Dalton quarterback rating, 86% career-wise in the in the regular season. Postseason, his QB rating goes down 19 points to 67. So this is a guy in his postseason career has thrown only one touchdown to six interceptions. So this is a guy who's had a problem getting it done throughout his career in the postseason. Your questions about Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals won't be answered in the regular season. Your questions about Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals will be answered in the postseason. Philadelphia Eagles also off to a 3-0 start. We talked about the Arizona Cardinals already, but the Philadelphia Eagles off to a 3-0 start. You know, Nick Foles, Got beat up last week against the Washington Redskins, and three-fifths of his offensive line is gone. Jason Kelsey will be out till about November. Evan Mathis is out. And then Lane Johnson, you have him on suspension. So, and your interior, I mean, you look at Mathis and, and, and uh, Jason Kelsey. I mean, if you watched that game last week against the Redskins, and granted that this play got called back, but you saw Jason Kelsey, a center, down the field running with Ryan Clark, a safety. Running with him. To me, that showed me what Jason Kelsey was about, and that showed me this guy is for real. Man, I always knew he was for real. I always knew he was real good. But that play right there, that did it for me. That did it for me. That was an amazing play. And, and I know he got a penalty on the play, but he, he ran with a safety. He ran with a safety. <laughs> impressive. Absolutely impressive. But obviously you're, you're, you're missing your lineman. And, and so now you're going into this game depleted on a defense offensive line. Maybe lucky for you, not maybe, definitely lucky for you. Alden Smith isn't there. 
and, and he's a guy who can wreak havoc, who can get after the quarterback. Luckily for you, Navarro Bowman isn't there. So the Eagles now, you're missing. Your offensive line, you're having some struggles running the football. So you're going to, it's going to be a tough situation. I don't see the Eagles winning this game. I I, I think they're going to be done in terms of winning. I don't I don't think they're going to they're they're not going to be undefeated after this week. They won't be undefeated after this week. They're done in terms of being undefeated. I, I don't. You know what it is. And you know, teams are scoring the ball against the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. Teams are moving the ball against them. And Drew Stanton made some plays against that secondary last week. But you know what it is? The 49ers are a team with pride. And I know there's issues with the coach. There's you know reports the coaches and the players aren't getting along and the coach is not getting along with the GM. I know there's reports out there. There could be a little infighting, if you will. They're out there, obviously. But I look at I look at this, this 49er team, and this is a team still with pride. You know, Patrick Willis. Frank Gore. These guys got pride. They got pride. So and, and so these guys with that pride are gonna come out and, and, and really play hard and, and because here's the thing. You're one and two. You play in arguably the best division of football. You fall to one and three now, you put yourself in a tough situation. You go to one and three with two losses in your own building with two games against Seattle at some point in this season with Denver on your schedule at Denver, Kansas City, which is going to be tough. That's home, but it's Kansas City, and they're going to be a tough football team. You still got to go to New Orleans. You still got Seattle twice. You still got to play San Diego. So if you fall to one and three with the schedule that you have, it's going to be difficult moving forward. It's going to be difficult. So this is, to me, in every game in the National Football League, is must win. There's only 16 of them. But to me, this is a must win game. You got to win this game. If you want to be viable, if you want to make a playoff run, you got to win this game. If you don't, you're in trouble. And you wonder what's going to happen, and you wonder if if, if they lose this game. And, and the 49ers, you know, they've gotten off to great starts, horrible finishes. Eagles, conversely, gotten off to bad starts, Great finishes. Gotten behind in games, but finished games. 49ers can't finish. Eagles can't start. So something has to give. Or maybe both of them get off to a decent start, and both of them will have decent finishes. But, I mean, something's got to give. Something's got to give. And the 49ers giving up leads to Arizona, giving up leads to the Bears. 
You can't do that. You can't do that. So you got to get it right. And, and again, I think, you know, second game at the Levi Stadium, I think you got. I think the 49ers are going to come out with with extra purpose, extra energy, and extra effort. You got the Eagles coming off a physical game against the Washington Redskins, a division game, a back and forth game, a very emotional game. You got them coming off that, and a, and a very emotional victory. You got them coming off that. So with them coming off of that, coupled with them traveling to the West Coast, with also the 49ers now. Backs against the wall, one and two. You can say the 49ers have been having a hard time stopping some people, but I will say this. This is a team, defensively, that's still fifth in total yards. They're they're still decent defensively, even without Alden Smith and Navarro Bowman and Dante Whitner, who signed with the Cleveland Browns. Even without those pieces, they're still a very good football team on the defensive side of the ball. They are having some problems getting after the quarterback. And that's expected when you're missing a guy like Alden Smith. That's expected. But I, I think the 49ers win this football game. I, you can say that you can argue maybe they're not the better team right now, but they are the more desperate team. And I think that desperation will be enough for the 49ers to get the victory. It should be interesting. I'm interested to see how the Eagles respond especially coming off the victory against the Washington Redskins, an emotional victory, traveling cross-country cross country the way they are. I'm interested to see how they respond. I'm interested to see how Nick Foles, in this offense, responds. Defensively, has not been very good in Philadelphia. They're having a hard time stopping people. They haven't been stopping many people. Really haven't. You know, and, and then the Eagles putting up the point. Putting up the points. But that's 30th against the pass. So you can obviously move the ball through the air against this team. But, you know, 34 against Jacksonville, they needed at least 20 of 27 of that. That last touchdown, defensive touchdown, whatever. The Colts, 30 to 27, you needed all 30 to win. The Redskins, 37 to 34, you needed all 37 to win. So what I'm saying about the Philadelphia Eagles, they've had to score those points to win. There hasn't been any blow-up. They needed all of the points they scored to win. I mean, this team, they're putting up the numbers. They're moving the ball. And this is a Chip Kelly offense, so you expect them to move the ball. You expect them to put up the numbers. You expect them to have a lot of offensive success. You expect that. And this team is averaging 33 games, 33 points a game, almost 34 points a game. They're putting up numbers, and we'll see if they can do it against the 49ers. But I like the 49ers to win. Let's go back to Derek Jeter now. And last night, you know, with all the hubbub about the, the walk-off hit in the game that meant absolutely nothing, I know it's the last game in the history. Well, Derek Jeter's great history, 20-year history in baseball, well, tomorrow's the last, uh, last, uh, last night was the last game for him at the new Yankee Stadium. But I look at Derek Jeter. Won five titles for the Yankees, one MVP 
World Series MVP 2000 for the Yankees. But you look at Derek Jeter over the years, and he's a great Yankee. You know, you hear some people maybe saying all-time great. But you look at him in the 90s and, you know, his heyday. When the Yankees were winning those championships, 96, 98, 99, 2000, the Yankee dynasty, and in 2009 as well. But let's start 96. He was a rookie in 96. Obviously, he wasn't the best player on that team, the best position player on that team. Tino Martinez put up big-time numbers, 25 and 117. Bernie Williams, 26 and 102. So these guys, you could say, I mean, Paul O'Neill put up solid numbers as well, 19 and 91. Derek Jeter, rookie, 10 and 78, batting over three four, batting 314. Um, who was, he wasn't the best player position-wise on that Yankee team. He wasn't. Let's look at the 98 Yankees, one of the best teams in the history of the game. I mean, won 114 games. Won 114 games. That's a lot. But you look at that team. Jeter had a great year, 324, 19 home run, 84 RBI. That's numbers. He's putting up numbers. But I could argue Tino Martinez was better that year, batted 278, 28 homers, 123 RBI. You could argue Brocious. I mean, Brocious was good that year, batted 300, 19 home run, 98 RBI. Bernie Williams, 26 and 97, 339. You know, Paul O'Neill, 24 and 116, 317. I mean, so you can argue that those three guys, you know, that Martinez, Williams, and O'Neill were better than Derek Jeter back in 98. So, you know, let's just go through. Let's just continue to go through. 2000, next time the Yankees won it, back in 2000, that's the year Derek Jeter got the MVP in the World Series. Big gear for Derek Jeter. Decent Derek Jeter season. You know, 15 home runs, 73 RBI. Bernie Williams putting up the numbers, 30 and 121. Paul O'Neill, 18 and 100. Posada, 28 and 86. Tino Marcinez, 16 and 91. I mean, you could argue those guys were more valuable to the team than Derek Jeter. He did win the MVP of the World Series in that particular season. And we forgot 99. Let's go to 99. And I'm not discounting Derek Jeter. Let's be clear about that. But what I'm saying is, you know, we're talking about Yankee greatness. You could argue that Derek Jeter wasn't the best player in that dynasty. Like, you could argue that he was more, I don't want to say a role player, but there was guys who, who did, uh, you know, more of the heavy lifting than Jeter. I mean, 2000, uh, Tino Martinez, 28-105, 263 batting average. Chuck Knobloch had a decent season, 18 and 68. But Derek Jeter, 24 and 102, 349. That's pretty good. Out of two spot, that's good. You know, Bernie Williams, 25 and 115. Paul O'Neill, 19 and 110. You could argue 
again, that Derek Jeter probably wasn't the best player in 1999. In 2009, the last time the Yankees won it, Alex Rodriguez was big. Probably a juiced-up version of Alex Rodriguez. They beat my Phillies. But you can argue. Maybe Cano was better. You can argue. But Alex Rodriguez was definitely better. I mean, Johnny Damon had a solid season that year. Posada's numbers were decent, too. Teixeira, big-time numbers. You could argue that Derek Jeter wasn't the best. You can argue, basically, bottom line, point blank, you look at the five rings that Derek Jeter won, you could argue, in legitimate argument, and that Derek Jeter wasn't the best player on those te- any of those teams. He wasn't the best player on any of those teams. That doesn't take away the greatness. Baseball's a game of numbers, 3,000 hits. That's great. That's great. And, you know, the, the five gold gloves, that's big time. Five-time World Series champion, big time. I mean, he's the all-time leader in hits in the Yankee history. And he, you know the players in the Yankees, DiMaggio, Garrett, Mantle. Babe Ruth, 14 all-star selections. The list goes on and on and on. On and on and on. All-time major league leader in in hits as a shortstop. So the, the, the hits and the numbers are impressive. The numbers, I guess, never lie sometimes now. Numbers do lie. Numbers do lie. But man, I'm not, not, you know, that's not taking away the greatness of Derek Jeter. He's great. Not all-time Yankee great. You can even argue he wasn't all-time great in his own era on his own team. You can argue that. Last night was great. Good. Good. But was it all, it, was it all that? It, it, was, was it, all, it was good. It wasn't great. It was a meaningless game. It was a meaningless game. Meaningless game. So, you know, obviously, it, it does mean something just because it's in New York, and you know how New Yorkers are. I talked about this earlier in the show. New Yorkers, they they, they love Derek Jeter. They love New York. New Yorkers talk about New Yorkers, and New York, everything is the best. The moment was good, not great. The moment was exciting. The moment, the moment was captivating. The moment was beautiful. But the moment was a meaningless baseball game in September. And the Yankees had absolutely, and the Orioles pretty much, had nothing to play for. I mean, the baseball playoffs were pretty much set. Pretty much set. Texans, Texas, excuse me, three games to play, two games up on Kansas City. They're going to, they're, they're already clinched the playoff spot. And it's just a matter of time before they clinch the division. So they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're probably going to win the Central. The Orioles have clinched the East, the Angels have clinched the West. 
Only thing on the table at this point is the wild card. And, you know, Kansas City and Oakland, or uh, Oakland is, is two games ahead of Seattle with three games to play. So you like Oakland's odds. So they're pretty much, the playoffs are pretty much taken care of. They're pretty much done in terms of who's going to get in. And the National League, obviously, the, the, the Nationals going to finish probably with the best record in baseball. Base, not Well, not baseball. Well, yeah, in baseball. Well, no, base, best record in, in the National League, excuse me. St. Louis is going to win the Central. Well, Devin, well come, they're going to make the playoffs. But it comes down to them and Pittsburgh in terms of who's going to win the division. And actually, you know, I don't want to discount that because that's big. You know, that's big. And then kudos to Major League Baseball in, in terms of what they're doing, what they did in adding that extra wild card and making the division, winning the division, much more important. But, you know, and that's been, you know, it's been in existence for, for a few years now. But obviously, it's big. Pittsburgh, obviously, you want to get the number one spot in the Central because you want to get out of that playing game. That playing game is tough because it's only one game and anything can happen in one game. I still contend that that playoff playing game needs to be a play-in series of three games. That needs to be a three-game series. Bang it out three games. Three straight games. That's what needs to happen. Whoever has the best record gets two home games. Make it happen. That needs to happen. I mean, if you want to stretch that out over four days, Maybe you can start the season a little earlier. You stretch it out over four days, add in the travel day, and, and and that's it. You know, one game, travel, and then the next game just go back and play. I mean, that, you, you could do it. But I think that it needs to be just more than one game because, you know, 162 games. And for it to come down to just one game in the playoffs, a playing game essentially, it shouldn't be. It should be at least a three-game series. At least. Make it at least a three-game series. And and so, you know, because one game, one game, and that's it. You work so hard for those 162, and it comes down to one game, only one game. Make it a series. That's just my opinion. Make it a series, but we'll see. I mean, if you're the Pirates, you want to stay out of that playing game. You want to get there. You want to get to the. You want to get that division, and you want to be able to go to the ALDS and have a five-game series. You got three games against Cincinnati this weekend at Cincinnati. You need to get it done, and you need to get to ask for some help. You need some help. You got that the Cardinals will have a couple hiccups this weekend. The Cardinals can have some hiccups this weekend. Now you have an opportunity for that division. But first you got to handle your own business. You got to handle your business first. If they can handle their business and get some help, then they can. Get to the plus, but they the Cardinals travel to Arizona. Gets the Diamondbacks, a very bad baseball team, thirty three games below five hundred. So the, the, you should favor the Cardinals. 
but the Arizona Diamondbacks are a team that have nothing to play for. And a team that has nothing to play for can pull out all the stops. But it could be, you know, 162 baseball games. You're 33 games below 500. You just want to get these three games done, and you want to get home. But you probably got a lot of minor leaguers playing, a lot of September call-ups playing. So those September call-ups have things to prove. They want to stick around. They want to stick around. So we'll see. But I think it obviously it favors the St. Louis Cardinals. But who knows what could happen? Again, a bad team is a dangerous team. But at the same time, you get to 159 or 162 of an awful season, a bad season, you, you, you're ready to get home. You, you, you're ready to start that off season. You're ready to get back to your house, enjoy your off season. That's what you're ready to do at that point. We'll see if Arizona Diamondbacks are in that mode. Or are, they, or, or are they in the mode to surprise and spoil the fun for the St. Louis Cardinals? We shall see. I want to thank Sam Ocho for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website, samacho.com. Also, hit him up on Twitter, at the Sam Ocho. Also, I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rove for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter, at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGant. We actually... Um, we did an interview uh, two years ago, uh, Rob Baronis, unfortunately, who passed away last week at the, uh, thir- at the age of 36. No one should die at the age of 36. But we did an interview with Rob um, back in 2012. And so you can listen to that interview. And, uh, you know, obviously, tough situation for the Baronis family, the Bradshaw family. And I know there's some circumstances, uh, some, you know, suspicious circumstances in terms of, you know, his behavior before his death. But, you know, that that's not for me to judge. And But anyway, we wish the Baronis family, the Bradshaw family, nothing but the best, and we give our condolences to them. But again, you can listen to this show and other shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for gant. And uh, so while you're there on Twitter, at go for gant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T, give us a follow. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.